Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Prieta. Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla Latina. Today, I'm so excited for this episode. I'm joined by Anna. She She's going to introduce herself in a little bit, but we just also recorded for her podcast. Um, so you guys can check it out. I'm sure she'll share the information at the end. But Anna, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, sure. First, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited about it. So my name is Anna. I'm 25 years old. I am an attorney here in Brazil. And I have a Brazilian podcast that is actually in English. Yeah, we talked all about that. That was so cool. (laughs) That's like the main reason why I wanted to chat with you because I already said this to you a bunch, but I'm kind of low-key obsessed with the Brazilian culture, especially trying to learn the language. Um, I was telling her that I do like the Duolingo app and everything, but... I wanted to talk to you more about that like Brazilian aspect in terms of like being Latina and identifying like that because I'm sure there's differences because the country is it speaks a different language and you know with every place there's differences in the food and everything else. Yeah um so like we were talking kind of it's funny because Brazilians sometimes or even like most of the times they don't identify as Latin which is insane because literally we are here in Latin America but also I think it's so so nice that you like Brazilian culture and that you are looking to know get to know more about Brazilian culture because people are so stuck on their stereotypes of Brazilian culture that it's actually kind of annoying let me say that yeah but yeah so I don't know I think there's so much more to Brazil than the stereotypes but there's also this difference of Brazil identifying Brazilians identifying as a Latin country because we are huge country and we don't speak Spanish we speak Portuguese so there are like little differences here and there that kind of impose it to us like I don't want to say that but it's kind of like this it's a cultural thing kind of yeah it's more like they want to be known that they're different is that kind of what it is um not that I think we don't even think about it much like I told you I kind of identified myself as Latin only like three years ago and it's insane because I'm 25 but it's not something that is taught for like at us like at school or culturally our family like oh we are latin it's it's not even like that it's like oh we're brazilian it's it's like we're not even part of this latin community and other countries also they don't really put us Mm -hmm. as latin people it's like oh you're brazilian like you're not even latin but it's kind of a worldwide thing i like that you were mentioning that there's this whole spectrum of what Brazilians look like. You were saying that no one Brazilian really looks the same. Like, there's this whole gap. What is your take on that in terms of people from Brazil? So, 
Well, you cannot identify a Brazil, a Brazilian for your life, pretty much, because we have white Brazilians, black Brazilians, Asian Brazilians, Asian look like Brazilians. And it's like literally redhead Brazilians, every single kind of look a Brazilian might have. So in Brazilians, a huge, huge country. So for example, like in the South, that also the colonization makes all the difference because after Portugal, the Portuguese people came here to colonize our country. A bunch of other um, people from other countries, they came here and it stated so much. So in the South, for example, the, the Germans came a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you see, there are majority of white people in the South and they have blue eyes and they're blonde and it's just in the South. So if you go to the North, the Northeastern people are black because there were like more Africans there because of slavery. And then here in the Southeast, um, more Italians came. So it was like history was building this whole diversity. That's so interesting. Honestly, I don't think I ever really knew the differences in terms of like the regions of Brazil. So it's cool. Um, what part are you from? South. No, wait. Yeah, Southeastern. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> is the culture kind of the same in terms of Brazilian culture, like food, music, or like, is it kind of universal in terms of the entire country? Or do you think there's also differences in terms of the region? So there, in terms of food, there are like every state actually has their own typical food. Oh. Yeah, a state and region kind of varies a lot. Um, and my state is actually known as have that it has like the best food of all, like great food. We have amazing food, really. And in terms of music, well, before it was more, um, the difference was more into regions or states. But now that the world is globalized, like it's not like that anymore. Um, there's no not much of a region or state kind of music, only for specific parties and festivals and things they celebrate. But like usual music, not really. It's more Brazilian music these days. In terms of celebrations and festivals and stuff, I know the Carnaval is a big thing in Brazil. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I think I was watching an interview with um, Anita and she was talking about it. Uh, like what it what what's that like have you been oh love carnival carnival is like such a brazilian party and it's well i i get to say that it's in the whole country obviously the party is bigger in some cities like rio mm -hmm. and salvador and now in my city is growing as well bell it is on to this past few years but it's a huge, huge, huge um, celebration and party on the streets. And there's this like music and drinking on the streets for four days straight. Oh my it's gosh, like amazing. Insane. It's like so fun. <laughs> and people like dress up and you can see it's so funny. Like me and my friends, we already plan the next carnival's costumes when the the carnival ends so this year 
we were already planning for next year, which is obviously not going to happen so soon. Yeah. I mean, Brazil still want Carnival next year, even though it's not going to be at the time that it usually is because we love it so much. But we were already planning on the next year's costumes. Like, that's how excited we are about it. Oh, my God. I bet because I'm sure it's, like, nice to be out and about and, like, being so proud and celebrating your, like, culture and listening to all that music. It's amazing. It's one of the best times of the year, for sure. So you mentioned costumes. Um, I know I've seen, like, the dress wear and everything, like, the head thing, like, the bralettes and everything. But are there any other, like, traditional Brazilian attire that you're like you, you're aware of mm, for carnival or in general? just in general well not really actually it's just like normal dressing up like normally um obviously indigenous people in the north for example they have they dress like their own cultures and everything but normally usually like for the most of brazilians it's just like normal clothing yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So I know that you were also saying that you're a lawyer. Um, you lived in Boston. So how was that? Like, how did that happen? Like, you were like, I'm just going to go to Boston for school and then move back. What was that process like for you? So my dad, actually, he went to Boston, Harvard to, for his postdoc. And he was going to stay there for a year and a year is way too long and my family is way too attached. So me, my mom and my sister, we went along with him, but for only six months. And I was in the half, in the middle of law school. And I stopped a little bit right there because it's like too intense and I really want to go to Boston and stay with my family. So I went to Boston and I had a summer course for international relations in at UMass Boston and I really loved it and I decided to take a sabbatical semester and be like so chill but one one week after this summer course was over I was so bored <laughs> so I decided to take the fall semester at BU and oh, I took cool like classes kind of law related. I'm obsessed with BU. I actually love BU way more than my school here in Brazil. Really? (laughs) That's so funny. Were you always like interested in law or do you think your parents kind of pressured you to follow that route? I never thought about doing going for law school seriously like ever I considered every single kind of courses in my life but law school was not one of them and then my mom just came up with it because I wanted to do to go um, majoring journalism but my aunt is a journalist and she was like oh don't go for it it's kind of hard and everything but I always loved reading and writing so I thought it was really bad for me but my mom convinced me that I had to go to law school because even if I went to law school, I could be a journalist because you don't have to go to college to be a journalist. And if that didn't go right, didn't end up being the thing for me, I could do so many more other things with going for law school. And she convinced me for that. 
So is it something that you like really enjoy? Like, um, do you think there was a difference in terms of like studying law in the U.S. and then like those courses that you took and then studying it in Brazil? Yeah, 100%. It's like so different. First of all, here in Brazil, we are used, used to like notebooks and not laptops. So it was so embarrassing because my first assignment at BU, I gave to my teacher, to my professor, like this assignment all written, like handwritten. And he was like, can you give me printed? And I was like, what? <laughs> this is like news to me. But I was so embarrassed, seriously. Oh my gosh, really? So that's how you guys yes. do it in Brazil? Yes. Um, well, usually, yes. I mean, some it's kind of changing right now, but at that time, like three years ago, it was pretty much like that. And I feel like it's there is so much more dynamic. Here's just like study and learning, study and learning, and all the ways can be too much. Yeah, I'm sure also like the grading is different. Like, it, do you think the professors are more harsher more difficult in the U.S. or in Brazil because I'm thinking back at what my parents talk about when they were in school and they're always like it was so much harder in like our country like in Ecuador the teachers were more tough on you um I think it depends on the professors but if I can compare my Brazilians uh, Brazilian professors with the ones that I had in the United States I can say that Brazilians one, the Brazilian one was like, they were like so much, they were difficult. They were tougher because the, the professors that I had in the US, they were so chill, so chill. They were like amazing. They were all about like, oh, I'm going to teach you this. And it's going to be like so chill and so dynamic. and. I don't know. That's like all I can compare. Of course. I'm sure like the learning was different. But how is it being in the like the law field in Brazil? Is it difficult to get into it? Not really. It turns out that there are more law schools in Brazil than there is in the rest of the world. I did not know that. Literally. (laughs) Like I'm saying this literally. There are like over a thousand five hundred or something. Oh my god. So it's not like difficult to get in. Oh no. You can get in like uh, whatever school you want. The thing is that to be like a good school, you know, that's the hard part of it. What about finding a job afterwards? Because if it's not as competitive to get in, how is it in the field? Um, well, there are like the good law offices. Obviously, they will not hire you probably if you are from a bad school, if you're from a good school. And if you really want that, you're going to get a job eventually. It's actually, it's hard, obviously, because so many schools, so many people graduating all the time. But if you are good, if you, if you went to like a good school and everything, you won't have much of a problem kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so cool because I feel like a lot of people struggle here to take the bar or at least pass it. Um, but do you have to take a test in Brazil? Yes, it's like the Brazilian bar. That's that what makes the difference from everything because it's 
tricky. So we have two a year, obviously not in the pandemic right now, but we have two bar tests a year and it's like two phases of it. The first one, you have to take a test for for absolutely every single class you had during school. It's so intense. It's terrible. It sounds crazy. Yeah, it's terrible. Like I was insane, like insane. Just like a, a little bit over a year ago, I was studying for my bar exam and I was like full on mo- like Mario Kart mode. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like school, 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 school. Yeah. It's terrible. And then the second one, you actually just pick like oh labor law tax law um commercial law some of those and then you are going to answer to this like four questions yeah it's like four questions with like a and b so it's like eight questions and then you will have to draft a motion which you don't know which one it is until you get there and you just have to know oh my god the top of your head and it's actually like so hard. So if you are not from a good school, you are just not going to pass it. That's like where the different states, you know, I've heard like people from awful law schools here, they only passed on their f- fifth try. You know, that's where it makes a difference, like huge difference. Wow. Do you think there's more women or men in the field? Um, men, but women are taking this their space. Good, as they should. Yes, we're getting there. It, so you don't think you faced any like difficulties because you're a woman or you have in terms of law school? Um, I, I felt sometimes that that... I had like five internships during law school, like a lot of internships. So one of those, actually, now that I'm thinking, all of my bosses, no, wait, three of my bosses were women and two were men. So one of those two men, he kind of looked down on me like I wasn't going to be as competent as a person, as a guy would be. And I was actually more like morally, I don't know if that's how you say, harassed mm. in my work. And I had to leave because it was like insane. I cried my eyes like after that I just had to leave. But I mean, it happens. Obviously, it's not in every single environment, but it actually happens. And there's also this thing. I'm pretty sure that this happens in every single city at least like big city, but there's this couch test. And from, I think it's like two or three law offices here in my city. And obviously only for girls. Mm-hmm. So they get there for the interview and they're always like pretty girls. And then the owners of the office, they kind of test her. So the couch test, they are, if they sleep, sleep with the man, the owners of the offices, they get to work in the office. If they don't, the owners of the office will completely shatter every single opportunity they have of every, like, of getting a job ever in their lives. Really? Oh my god, yes. I did not know that was a thing over there. 
Yes, actually, like, I, I mean, obviously, my half in other cities, but like in my city, we have this. I think I remember a friend of me telling me that I was like, what the hell? I was in shock. Seriously. I think it's on two or three offices here. Wow. And what that hasn't happened to you, correct? Oh, no. Thank God. Like, actually, I applied to an internship in one of those, but I didn't hear from them. And I'm so thankful for it. Literally, what a blessing. Because what? Yes. Blessing in disguise. Oh my God. I'm sure if you're like, your parents are probably aware of that, right? They were like, what is happening? Yes. I told them they were like, what? And yeah, that's unfortunately their reality. That just reminds me of a lot of like novelas. It's like, I'm, I'm sure that's like the plot in at least a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like it, right? Like it sounds, if you listen to it, it's like so absurd that it doesn't even look real. I know, like, if you were to tell me, like, true or false, I'd be like, oh, false. That doesn't sound like it would be a thing. Yeah, yeah that's so crazy. But thanks for letting us know that that's a thing. <laughs> sure. But with that, did you learn English growing up in school? Is that how? Because we were just talking about this. You were saying, like, you were kind of <laughs> self-conscious about your, your English. But I think it sounds so good. And, like, it sounds so, like, it comes so natural to you. How did you learn English? Um, well, thank you first. And I think I like mix up sometimes like so annoying, but I learned, well, we actually have English in schools, but it's not really good. So obviously I'm saying about like richer people here in Brazil, they actually put their kids on this separate school just to learn English. And my parents did this to me because they wanted me to have opportunities and like, for the world to like grow for me. Mm -hmm. So they put me in this English school since I was eight. From eight to 16, I was in this school. Wow, so that's how you were able to pick it up and everything. Yeah, because like school, English in schools, like regular schools, like it can be fine, it can be like okay, but you're not like really gonna learn because you actually, they actually give English in schools quite late when you're like, I don't know, 14, I want to say. Yeah, that's more tough to learn at that age. Yeah, totally. How else did you practice? Like, were you practicing with your friends who were also in school, like in the same program? Or were you trying to listen to music and watch TV shows and things like that? Well, that's really funny because I... I don't want to sound like too, too much of myself, but it kind of came naturally. I don't even know like how uh, how did I I learned English really. I can't even remember right now, but I've always listened to so many, so much like of English music in English, and then TV shows and movies, and we also had conversation in the class and everything. And it kind of like just evolved. And I went to this really good English um, school as well. Mm -hmm. So it evolved like so naturally. It was really, it was really good school also, so. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was, it's nice because then when you came to the US you were able to use it for your actual learning. Yeah, actually like in the beginning it was kind of I was like, oh my god, I like forgot everything. It was desperation like on me. But like I think two weeks after I was there already, it was 
better much better yeah 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 i'm sure with like practice and stuff but do you think do you think it like kind of made you stand out in class because we were talking about the whole thing where you recently like three years ago you started identifying as latin and you kind of like realized more like oh okay this is a difference you know but do you think language played a role in how you were perceived in terms of when you were in the u.s so in my summer course at umass i was i think no okay i have a friend that she was also latin but she lived in the u.s for her whole life and she regularly went to umass so i was the only kind of like outsider people were looking at me like what are you doing here because it was so random but at bu it was like so different because i was in this class with everyone was from other countries so we had german girls and a whole bunch of asians like from a bunch of countries and we had two french girls that became a friend and we had one mexican girl and it was like so diverse that we i didn't have this issue problem like anything it was very natural Mm-hmm. That's really cool, especially when you're you're like surrounded by people that are also from different places. Yeah, that was like so cool. You could see um, country differences like right there next to you. Do you like learning about different countries and like their cultures? Oh, I love it. I really love it. I think like you can learn so much about how people act by their, their culture, like just get really deep into it like learning everything and obviously food is amazing oh yes i love like meeting like just new food i'm here yeah and music oh my god you can find out like so much amazing music from people from that their that country and you can learn like so much cultural things from that and it's nice because then you can relate it back to like your your experiences and like your your traditions and your culture because like you know at the end of the day we all kind of know that food is different in every place but it's like okay like this reminds me of how i make this dish or well like yeah this music reminds me of like this beat from this song from my country or from like you know things like that Oh, exactly. Actually, there is this um, food here in Brazil, this dish that's so funny. It's called estrogonofe. And I went to look for it because I made it very poorly for a friend of mine, a French friend of mine. And I was like, okay, let me just look it up. Mm-hmm. Where is it from? And turns out it's Russian. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it is like so so popular here in brazil like everyone's obsessed with it like it's brazilian and it's not like how like this whole time you thought it was (laughs) exactly i don't i have no idea how that happened seriously that's so funny do you think your your interest in like you said you were cooking for it but it came poorly but do you think your interest in like learning more about the food came from like your family like did your mom ever teach you the dishes or was it something that you were interested in on your own and then you started looking into it yeah my family like everyone cooks so well like my mom is just like the pro and it's like a family thing I think um but only only like recently I decided to really get into cooking 
So, but it was also not even pressure, honestly. It was all like, oh, they can do it. So I can do it as well because it's a family thing. It's in my blood. It was kind of random like that. You need to be a natural with it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so fun. Do you think also when you kind of get older, you're going to bring those like food, everything, like those cultural things to your kids? Like if you plan on having kids? Oh, 100%. I thought, I think it's like so important, so important for they to actually learn. I think these days with globalization, it's so hard to actually identify your culture in your daily, in a daily basis that you actually have to bring the, your culture to your family. And my family actually does that a lot. We are like, so family biased and like a very strong family and that's something that is not happening so much those these days at least i feel like people are leaning towards like go themselves in the world or friends and my family is so tight and i think that's something that's the main thing that i want to bring to my children do you think you would want them to experience like a semester in the u.s like you did or you think everything the education all of that career path wise is okay in brazil like it's what you want for them there um i i know that i want them to go abroad i think that's how you actually learn about the world and your own country even because you actually get the reality of being out there and like 100% I want them to go obviously if they want to go also but I totally want them to go like even more than once really yeah what are some of your favorite places in Brazil I'm just thinking back a lot of what you see in movies like for example like the Fast and Furious movies it's just like real yeah you know yeah. and like the statue of you know so what are your some of your low-key places there's like i love rio i seriously love rio but there's so much more than rio here in brazil so oh my god my favorite place so that um near rio there is this little i can say village sort of or like a small town kind of that is called Buzius, and people go there so much like during the summer there are tons of beaches and it's amazing place i really really love there it's so chill like very paradise vibes oh nice i love the beach so nice it's actually so sad because I think I traveled abroad more than I traveled inside Brazil. And I'm so sad to say this, really, because there are like so many amazing places to meet here. But also, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of give myself an excuse for that because I just recently graduated. So until now, I only had... Um, certain times in the year that were so expensive to go to those places now I am more free and hopefully Mm -hmm. I will meet many more places but one place that I actually went to that I am obsessed with it's so beautiful it's unreal seriously it's Fernando de Noronha archipelago it's like an island sort of Uh uh-huh and obviously in archipelago but it's so pretty it's wild nature and oh, it's that sounds so, so nice 
environmental protected that you actually have to pay for each day that you stay there and it's going to up higher according to the days that you're staying just so you don't decide to move there randomly or stay like forever and like for many people to go there it's like so protected it's amazing it's like they want to keep it sacred they they you can yeah. visit but you can't stay yeah i love this seriously i love this what are some of the favorite places that you've traveled abroad what are some of your favorite places well, I love Boston because I had an amazing experience there. I got to say this. Um, I love Amsterdam. I love London. Um, the Netherlands, actually, as a whole. I, I went abroad in high school to the Netherlands as well. And I had the worst experience of my life, but I loved <laughs> seriously. But it was like a personal experience that didn't affect the way that I love the country and the people there that I met so much. I love the Netherlands. So I, I think I can say that. Like Netherlands, I love Boston, no, no, London. Oh, really? That sounds so nice. That that sounds like so cool because you got to see a lot of a little bit of everything. Yes. But do you think the representation um, kind of tying it back to like the Latin community, it, it was present in those countries or no? Well, no, not really. So specifically um, in the Netherlands, I lived there. It was me and a Brazilian friend of mine that we went together there. Then we ended up living in the same city. And now that I'm thinking, I don't think there was any other Latin there. Not, not that I'm thinking right now, really. Mm-hmm. At least not in my class. No, actually there was like this one boy. But it's not like it was much of, of a representation, like identifying as Latin or anything like that. So 100% no. Um, London, I went there just to visit. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I, I lived in Spain as well, when I was a child because of my dad as well. And there was actually an Equatorian girl in my class. We were like, oh, really? Yes. yes, we were great friends. So there was actually like more represented. There were other girls that were Latin. I, I, I think because... Spain, they speak Spanish, so it's kind of, like, easier to have this representation. And in the U.S., like, I saw around campus and everything, but I I was only friends with French people, to be honest, so... Wow, I, that's honestly so cool to think about because I, I don't know if you watch TikToks or not, but yes. I I found this one that was talking about um, Mexicans in London and they were like, it, there's so many little of us here, but it's so interesting to see the different dynamics of like the Latin culture abroad in terms of like the European sense. Oh yeah, it's like, it, it's so different. It's like a cultural shock. Yeah, do you think... Also, it's kind of annoying when you are watching a TV show or when you're listening to certain things or like watching a movie that the Latin representation kind of doesn't encompass a lot of Brazilians. Oh, yeah. Like I said, like that we are kind of not even considered Brazilians. It's like we are like nothing. What community are you like European, North American or Latin? Like none, none of the above. That's what it is. Actually, I was talking to you about this on my my podcast episode that I 
when I went to apply for, I don't even remember which school in Boston that you had to specify like your ethnicity and it was Latin besides Brazil. Like, what am I then, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So it's, well, since I only identified as being Latin three years ago, I've never really took it much into into consideration, but now I do actually. It's like Latin people, is that those stereotypes, absurd stereotypes. And it's also when someone's Latin is also Mexican or Colombian. And actually that's that. Like there's no more diversity right there. Equatorian or Brazilians or Peruvians, like nothing like that. It's unincluded, yeah. And it's, it's kind of a little bit annoying because sometimes you're like, why do I have to be the one to educate you on the culture? But it's like, okay, I should be proud that at least I can speak on it and take the time, you know? Yes. And actually you have to hear so many absurd things about your country when people are so uneducated about it. Like I've heard like I, absurd, really absurd, outrageous things. What are some stereotypes attached to, like, the Brazilian community? Because I feel like a lot of what I hear or see is just that, like, hypersexualized woman. But what are some of the stereotypes? This is a huge one. This is a huge one. Like, big butts and Brazilians are easy. I don't even know where people came this way. Like, I, it's like random. So annoying, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. I also uh, saw once that someone asked this Brazilian if people walked naked on the streets. Oh my God. Like, no. seriously. But also that Brazil is a big jungle or we are savages. There are monkeys on the streets. Oh my we, God. Like people asking if we have internet or if we have, how do we go to school? And I mean, it's insane because it's like, first of all, Brazil is huge. So it's like a bunch of countries in just one. So you obviously have a huge variety of realities here. Yeah. Obviously, some communities go to school, like they have to cross the river with the boat. But it's not like the majority, let's put it like that, because we actually have developed um, cities where we actually have buses, subways, cars, like it's a whole place. It's not like all jungle and the Amazon forest in here. It's just what people think, like it, it, they kind of grip you all into one. Yes. I mean, some countries you can do it because they are kind of smaller and you can put it like that, but it's too much, you know, to just say one thing and assume that the whole country is like that. Yeah, because Brazil is huge. Yes. Um, We actually have like little fights even in between states. So really? like it's <laughs> yes. Like um for example, we have this thing that in the south, in the south actually it's it snows during the winter. Uh-huh. And uh, there was this meme I'm remind remembering this specifically that my city was the city that was the coldest that year. And then we were joking because 
usually it's the south and then people from the south should be would be pissed because they love to say that is so cold in there and i don't know it's just like little like little things. banter yeah yes there's a lot of this in here would you ever live in a different part of brazil or no I've thought about it, but I don't think so. Like, I'm not the biggest fan from my city, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't love it here. I think it's like provincial <laughs> somewhat. But thinking like other places, I mean, not from the top of my head, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you're like so attached to home and you would also love to be close to your family because you said you're very family oriented. Yes, most of my family is here in my this city, Belo Horizonte. I, just, I didn't even say the city, but most of my family is here. And those who are not are very close, kind of. So, I mean, why move? Yeah. Are you do you have like a lot of cousins, siblings? Like, are you close to them? Um, I have one sibling. We are pretty close these days because she's five years younger than me. And there's like those teenagers are hard. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> like they're terrible. But we got to this point that we're good. Like we're friends at this point. Um, and I have, I have many cousins, like more like on my dad's family which I'm not as close to, but my mom's, I am. I have like some cousins and we are very, very close. Do you think, because I'm just thinking about Latino family dynamics, you could maybe categorize it as stereotypes, but a lot of the times they say like family so close. There's a bunch of cousins, everyone's really close. Do you think that applies to your family? Oh yeah, yeah, it does. But also I think like that's a funny stereotype. But it's because Latin people are very warm. We are like so welcoming. Yes. You know? And then I was reading something like so funny today that I don't know where this guy, I think it, it, I know it's a man. I don't know <laughs> where this guy is from, but he said that we are too fake because we say that like nice things and then that doesn't happen honestly we are just trying to be nice but it's funny enough that they have this point of view of us because most of the times we think that they might be kind of cold and straightforward so it's like different points of view you cannot say something so categorized about a culture you know yeah it's different it's gonna be different for sure yeah and like the whole aspect of being an older sister like the oldest sister um was it difficult for you because I'm just kind of relating it back to my family dynamic and obviously it's different because we moved to the U.S. but my sister had to do a lot of like the speaking and finding out what documents mean or this or that do you think you were kind of the headliner (laughs) if you if you will like in your family for your sibling or no? Oh, yeah, it's always me. It's always me, like, oh, find out something. Oh, just get this done for me. I think it's like an old sibling thing. Like, we are here to be tested also for the younger (laughs) sibling. And they have, like, so much more fun. But we are here for the real deal, like, being responsible. I think this is, like, a worldwide thing from what I saw. For sure. Yeah, it's like 
I saw this tweet once was like so funny. Are you the preferred child or are you the oldest oldest daughter? Yeah. Or something like this. And I was like, yeah. You always see those memes. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. I think maybe the only difference in terms of like being in Brazil and like being in the U.S. is that you didn't have to like translate papers for your parents or like, you know, things like that, right? Yeah, but here and there when my dad has to work with something that's in English or has to email someone in English, he just comes up to me and asks me like it's fine obviously I mean obviously also my sister can speak English but I'm happy to help someone yeah you're just the oldest so they're always gonna go to you (laughs) yeah I just have to like get used to it at this point like 25 years old it's time and on that topic of like consuming English content like you know seeing that language how did you or I guess, how do you kind of pick out who you watch on YouTube? Because I think it's so cool that we met because we watched the same person. But how do you find that content, right? Because I feel like a lot of those popular people are based in the U.S. So how do you how did you find those? That's so funny because when I was 15, I was obsessed with braids. I wanted to braid my hair every day. Like I had kind of a terrible hair, like puberty and all of that. And I wanted to braid my hair. So my mom couldn't braid my hair because she didn't know how to. So I had to learn by myself. And I decided to learn on YouTube. So I started watching this girl's videos that I watched till this day, which has been like 10 years, it's insane, that I watch her videos. So I started watching that those, and then she started vlogging her and her friends, and then I started watching her friends and the friends of their friends and all of that. And then today I watch like kind of the most random YouTubers. Like if I say this to my whole personal Instagram, people won't have a clue of what I'm talking about. It's like so random. Because <laughs> it, it's is it very American based? Um, the YouTubers? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I don't so Brazilian YouTubers at the most they're very annoying. I'm just gonna put it out there. I think they're so annoying and I do not watch Brazilian YouTubers now that I'm thinking. I only watch <laughs> YouTubers that are from the United States, actually. <laughs> That's that. That's crazy, but also kind of cool, right? Because then in their videos, you kind of see like how the American culture is developing, kind of what's in, what's out. Like, does that influence you at all? Because at the end of the day, like they're selling you products in their videos sometimes, right? Does that ever really become like a thing that you're like, oh, okay, like I want to try it because that's what's in right now because they're doing that in America? Oh, totally. Like matcha became my thing because of <laughs> matcha. I am obsessed with matcha. I was like, what the hell is this green thing? And then I decided to try it out. And it was so hard to find to buy it here in Brazil because people don't know what it is. They're not used to drinking it. And then I found it. I, I think, yeah, I found it here in Brazil. Actually, the first time I bought it, it was in Boston because I actually had to wait for Boston to drink matcha. And then I found it here in Brazil, but it was so hard. And I only have one friend that she doesn't watch YouTube, but she really looks it up. 
and she drinks matcha as well. But it was a totally random thing for me to do. That's insane. That's crazy. Because if you think about it, at least for me, I'm like, wow, that's like everywhere here, you know? Yes. But it's just like, uh, duh, that's such a closed mind thing to think about because countries are doing different products. Yeah, I've never seen like much. I think I saw it in one restaurant that is like kind of trendy and like different that mm-hmm. had matcha, like one of every single one that I've been at too. Wow, that's so crazy. Well, on the topic of matcha, so at the end of every episode, I like to close out with everyone sharing like their favorite artists, specifically if it's a Latin artist, that would be awesome. So then people can be exposed to different, you know, musical backgrounds from different countries and then also number two is your favorite dish from your country or in general so unfortunately my favorite artist is not brazilian i love ariana grande it's like oh my god i love her it's like so funny it's so random i love love her her new album though so it's so good oh yes i i'm listening to it nonstop. she is my top artist on my spotify wrapped for like three years now because I love her but I do have Brazilian favorites so my Brazilian my favorite Brazilian band is Atitude 67 that is Attitude 67 oh. I've been to three concerts of them and two of them were this year before the pandemic like wow so you said boom 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 <laughs> yes but one of them were was free because it was on the beach in Rio. So oh, it was just that there sounds for me. so oh, nice. I mean, oh, it was so great. They were doing summer, like beach vibes, sunset. I miss those days. Oh my god. I'm actually looking. I have like a Brazil playlist. And oh, great. I had a question for you. Maybe it sounds dumb, but I like I never knew. A lot of the people that I listen to have like MC at the beginning. Oh, it's funk. Oh, okay. There we go. So I like Brazilian <laughs> funk. <laughs> I love Brazilian funk. The thing is that it's the funk is more about music than the artist. That's why I don't have a favorite artist on like funk genre. But I don't know, like I love funk, love funk, love funk music, but I don't have like a favorite Brazilian funk artist. Yeah, because a lot of the the music sounds sort of similar. They have that same like funk beat. Yes. So I, I was always wondering, I was like, okay, MC, like I wonder what that stands for. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know what what's up with the MC. It's just like a thing that came up to funk and it's just stayed there. I don't know what's exactly that. But my Brazilian, my favorite Brazilian artist is Manu Gavassi. She was in Big Brother Brazil this year and she really grew as an artist. I loved her since, I love her since I was 14, I guess. But now she's like way more out there after participating in Big Brother and she's so good. Her music was like my number one on Spotify rap to zero. Wow, that's so awesome. What are your thoughts on Anita? Because I know she is trying to break through that like US market. But and I know she's so big in Brazil, but what are your opinions on it or on her? 
I love her music. I do love her music, but I think like personally, um, the person that she is, she can have a lot of um, little things here and there, you know? She doesn't like to voice her opinion as much which could help so much like in a daily Brazilian daily basis on her fans but she doesn't voice as much because she doesn't like to I don't know like talk about some topics like politics and everything which is honestly so important to say and I'm not here for it and she has like a little bit, little scandals here and there with the press and then some other singers. Like I'm, I'm just bored at this point, but I love her music and her dancing. I think it's important though that she's trying to bring so much of the Brazilian culture to the U.S. with her music. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice that people are getting to know Brazilian Brazilian artists, really, because it's Latin artists. It's always Maluma and, uh, I don't know, I feel like Jennifer Lopez. You know, it's not it's not growing so much there. But Anita is actually a great Brazilian example for an artist. Yeah. What about your favorite Brazilian dish? Oh, dish. Oh, my God. I'm actually more of a snack and dessert person. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like um, I I would say stroganoff, but it's actually a Russian dish. So and I love Italian food as well. So I'm gonna say a snack that is coxinha. It's so good. It's what like is it? oh my god, how am I going to explain this? It's like chicken with a creamer. It's with this cheese that is creamier than cream cheese. And then it's like this little thing that's like shaped as a balloon, but like mm-hmm. a little, really small. It's weird to describe, but it's like to die for. Seriously, I love it. And my favorite dessert is brigadeiro. I love brigadeiro. What is that? It's condensed milk with a little bit of butter and chocolate powder, and then you just cook it for a little bit and it gets so creamy. That sounds so yummy, so delicious. It's amazing. It's amazing. Everyone should try it. It's so, so, so easy to make, really. Yeah, it sounds like you have like the basic ingredients. My favorite Brazilian like food would be, um, it's going to sound so basic, but bao de queijo. Oh, I really like it. Oh my god, it's so good. One of my old bosses, she was Brazilian, and she would make it home-based. Because I feel like a lot of the times I find it, it's like the frozen one, and it doesn't taste the same as being like home-cooked like from scratch. And she would bring it to me like on Fridays when I was working. Oh my god, it was so good. She she knew I loved it, so sometimes she would just like make the, the dough and give it to me to make at home. Yes, oh, I love it. And actually, Pondicajo is um, a thing for from my state. Oh, cool. Like, you will never eat a better Pondicajo than a Pondicajo from my state, Minas Gerais. Really? So yes. I, the best one that I had was when I was in Florida because uh, there's a lot, like a big Brazilian community there in Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in Miami, when I had it, I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, I thought it was good, like in Maryland, but in Florida, it's 10 times better. Yeah, I actually really like Pão de Queijo, but in terms of snacks, 
I prefer coxinha. Way more than pão de queijo. You have to taste coxinha so you can compare. I know. I'm like, now I'm like, I need to find a Brazilian restaurant here. <laughs> I have to try it. The big one here. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't know if you if you know what it is. Um, Fogo de Chao. Have you heard of it? Oh, yes. Yes, I think we, ha we had one in my city. I think it's clo closed like a few years ago. I think so. It's a barbecue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not like a really big meat person, so that's yeah, why I haven't gone. Yeah, but it's interesting because I see it and I'm like, oh, okay, Brazilian food. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever tried guanana? No. Soda? Oh, you have to. It's so good. It's amazing. I love guanana. I have to. I love trying like new foods. I I think I used to be like so picky as a little kid, and now I'm like I want to try it all. <laughs> oh yeah, like just go to a Brazilian restaurant or whatever, and you ask for it, and people will give you, and it will change your life. Okay, it's on my list. I and I will <laughs> think of you when I try it. <laughs> I have to let you know how it is. Oh good. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciated you talking a little bit more about like your Brazilian background. I know I am so thankful to know more because I definitely learned. So hopefully, a lot of people take away some stuff from here. Um, but do you want to tell everyone how they can find you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about like more Latin related culture. I think it's so nice. It's so different from other podcasts or other guests. Even it's so specific, but so warm, really. Yeah. And important to like include. Yes, and so important. Well, everyone can find me at my podcast Instagram. It's the at the Brazilian POV podcast. And there on the bio, they can find my personal Instagram because it's actually so hard to even spell it that it's <laughs> easier just to go there. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm sure everyone has to check it out. Um, in our episode, we kind of talked about like being Latina in the U.S. and just my experience. But thanks so much again. Oh, thank you. That's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.